Welcome to the A Block. As always, my name is Marshall Ferguson. Thank you for being here on Canadian Football Perspective. And of course, thank you for giving us the best month that we have ever had in the history of Canadian Football Perspective when it comes to downloads, subscriptions, all of the metrics that we try to use to go ahead and pick up some sponsorships so that we can reward some of the people that are working with us here on CFP. Your numbers and your love for Canadian football and the way that we are trying to approach it for you has absolutely helped us be able to push that forward. So thank you for that. And please continue. Tell a friend. As always, we always put at the bottom of the descriptions here on the podcast. Make sure that you are checking this out, telling a friend, subscribing, and, and letting other people know that might love the game the way that we all do because we genuinely believe that we have created a place that is the best source for Canadian football discussion across the country, the most consistent and the most focused. Aside from when Kyle Mello and I are wandering off and talking about the Buffalo Bills for longer than we should, but hey, these things happen that's the joy of marshmallow it's a bit of a mess but that's why we do marshmallow once a week we do all canadian twice we got the a block we got the breakdown and hopefully we'll be adding more podcasts for you soon we're looking forward to trying making uh, some announcements in the next month or so here leading into the university football season and uh, much much more into the off season and into what's gonna be a short turnaround i don't know if anybody else has thought about this but into 2022 on what happens with the Delta variant and everything else, if we get back to a normal schedule, man, that is going to be a condensed off-season. So we're looking forward to giving you all of that and much more. But for now, all we can do is say thank you to you, of course, the listener, and to our good friends at Fox 40 as they want to get you geared up for game day. Head over to fox40shop.com for Fox 40 gear, whistles, coaching boards, and much more, and use that promo code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your order. And Sada City Brewing. This week, our Sada City Happy Hour Tasting is up on YouTube, and it is a nostalgic one because it's the 2000th brew that has been made by Sada City Brewing, and that is the uh, Lone Wine. It's the cranked up 11% version of Lone Pine, which is the beer that I fell in love with from Sada City. We also review Hazy Pine, which is their West Coast IPA, which is absolutely delicious. And again, you can get those from SadaCityBeer.com. Use that promo code. It's CFL, CFL, to get yourself free shipping available to Ontario residents only and must be of legal drinking age. Today, on the A block here for you on a Friday after we didn't have a game on Thursday because of everything that's happening around COVID and the Elks. And we hope that that team is going to be able to play on Labor Day because I cannot imagine a Labor Day slate without having the full three games to look forward to. I know, yes, Ottawa and Montreal play. Maybe that'll turn into something fun and and Labor Day we're celebrating. But Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Hamilton, Toronto. That's it. That is the celebration of the Canadian Football League in and around Labor Day weekend. And missing one of those even, just it feels like it takes away from the experience. So hoping to see them back in action and back on the field getting ready. Because keep in mind, facility lockdown, they have to get back in the building. They have to be able to prepare for a game. They can't just run out onto the field and go out and play against Calgary for the first time they've had their helmet and shoulder pads on in a week and a half, two weeks. So really want that one to get cleaned up for us all so we can enjoy that. But the man that I will be working with coming up on tomorrow if you're listening to this on Friday and tonight if you're listening to it on Saturday it's Dwayne Ford from the CFL on TSN I have long been a fan of Dwayne's and I feel incredibly privileged to get an opportunity to call a game alongside him forget for a second that it's my first television call I'm most excited just to be around Dwayne in the booth because I want to peel back the curtain and show people Dwayne Ford is much more than just the studious well-spoken broadcaster 
He is a genuinely funny and interesting person that I feel like you need to know more about. And as we always say here on CFP, we want to give you more access to Canadian football and give you the people and the personalities that really make the game special. And to me, Dwayne has long been one of those. So enough rambling from me, listening to my conversation here with the one and only, and I do mean that, he is the one and only, Dwayne Ford. Enjoy. How disappointed were you when you got the CFL on TSN schedule and it read Ferguson next to you? <laughs> you know what? I've uh, I've actually been looking forward to this one, my friend. You know, I uh, you know I've had these these veteran play by play guys, right? Rod Black for for many years, number of games with Rod Smith, obviously some some games with CC in the past, and you know, I mean those those guys, they all have seniority at the network. So I finally get to be the veteran guy, you know, break, break it in my rookie. And I, I'm very much looking forward to the hazing process. Good. I am. Uh, I'm excited to see what you come up with for I me. Mean, I'm fully expecting somebody to, you know, step on my shoes as I'm trying to uh, dive back in, coming back from commercial breaks or something like that. But uh, it will be a lot of fun. We've got the BC Ottawa game. For those of you who are not aware, uh, I personally was super excited because when you've been my favorite analyst at TSN for a long time and a lot of stuff, I mean, any sport right up there with Jack Armstrong, I just think the way that you approach the game and the way you try to be honest, but also celebrate the league itself is something that, you know, this a lot of fans appreciate. I mean, you don't run into a whole lot of people that are disappointed with the way that you do this job. And I got to experience that firsthand in Toronto last Saturday, where we're trying to get the hell out of the stadium and you couldn't get 10 feet without somebody wanting to shake your hand or take a picture. So it's, it's really, really a joy to be on this broadcast with you, honestly, man. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. Quite honestly, I've, uh, you know, I have enjoyed your work for a long time. Obviously, we've we've sort of worked together yeah. and around draft stuff for uh, for a lot of years. So I guess we should apologize to people in advance if, you know, if they get a lot of draft history conversation on uh, during Saturday's broadcast. But uh, but no, love your stuff, follow your stuff all the time, and uh, and looking forward to this. I think we're going to have some fun. Yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm excited to get into the rhythm of it. I think the uh, the important thing that I learned from there was a lot of things, but I went and had lunch with Chris Cuthbert when I found out I was going to get to call some games. Went to his place, sat on the back deck, and he said the really important thing is to get off to a good start. <laughs> he said, and you probably experienced this too early in your days, where it's like let's just get the first quarter rolling and see what happens. And and uh, he said, you know, I used to love doing the player intros. He said when he was early on in the '90s, he used to love asking, "Can I can I do the player intros? Because it'll get me into a." A rhythm. I get to say everybody's name, and then we're off and running, sort of thing. Tell me about your introduction to the big TV game, the big show. Well, see, for me, it, it started a little bit smaller. In that, uh, I started off at the score. Yep. You know, it's a smaller network, and I guess especially the you know doing doing live stuff, doing color on games. We were doing uh, University Rush, so covering OUA games. Those were our nationally televised games on on Saturday afternoon with, uh, with one of my favorite guys, Tim McAuliffe was, uh, was my play-by-play guy. And so the first game that we're doing actually is York at Waterloo on a Saturday afternoon. It's at, uh, in, in Waterloo, I guess in those days, it was Seagram stadium. Yep. They called it back in the day. And this, the booth is like relative to what we get to work in in CFL stadiums, we feel a little spoiled compared to what you get in, in some Canadian university stadiums. And so I'm in a situation where Tim and I are, are in a room with kind of doors on either side of us. And basically 
the coach's spotter's booth for one team is on one side of us. The spotter's booth for the other team is the other side of us. And there's this small room in between. And our booth is literally so small that my telestrator is actually in another room. <laughs> so when I'm telestrating plays, I have to go through this door. But the thing is, this door is, this is not a regulation door. This door is not to code. So the top of the door comes to about here. And you can imagine how many times in my my haste to try to get from talking to Tim and looking at my board in front of me to get to that telestrator, how many times I do not bend down fast enough to get through the door that I there were probably times where I was semi-conscious doing uh, doing my drawings on the telestrator because I've whacked my head on the top of the door frame. Yeah, those uh, those university booths, some of them are not the friendliest in the world. I, I think back to when I very, the very first time I got into calling games officially on TSN radio in Hamilton, I was the McMaster play-by-play guy. And it was the first year that I was done uh, being a university football player, right? So I'm talking about all these guys every single week, week in, week out. Asher Hastings is smashing the all-time CISU sports touchdown record of Chris Flynn, which I thought was an untouchable record. So I'm calling history in front of myself every week. And my first experience was outside on the balcony at Laurier, which you probably have experience, I'm guessing, too. Uh, and a windy day up there in Kitchener-Waterloo, and same thing, you're just, you're going, man, I'm, I'm glad we're here. This is great to bring this to people, but this is not ideal. And then you look at the, the palaces that you get when you're calling CFL games that are 30 feet wide. And I mean, even the radio booth in places like Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, sometimes you walk in, you're like, I don't need all of this room. Why is this here? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of mileage, I guess, in the uh, the world of Canadian football between, you know, grassroots and uh, and the Canadian Football League, not just on the field, but but in the broadcast booth as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well. You you brought up the Telestrator, which made me laugh on the inside thinking about your first foray into telestrating this year where you decided to click on an official and then you just did a mea culpa and i'm sorry guys it's been a long time what what has been the part of getting back into calling games after a season off for the first time since you've been in this business that you found most difficult or interesting uh yeah you know one of the things that i i have kind of said from the start is that um you know i wouldn't even necessarily call it difficult but but maybe that i don't like or is is kind of weird is one of the things that I have always said about football, the best part of the the game of football is the people in the world of football. And, you know, the same kind of goes for, for the broadcast part of it, like that, you know, the crew that we have on the truck and the crew that we sort of travel with on a week to week basis, that you look forward to those in-person interactions, you know, from a football sense, you get down on the field, you get down the there the day before a game and you get to, you know, have some conversations with players and coaches or get down on the field a couple hours before game time. And same thing, you get players, coaches, officials, the whole bit um, game day and the day before, as I said, like kind of interacting with our crew and so on. And leading up to the season this year, I guess it was probably the third game of the year before, before I did a game. So the first couple of games I had watched on TV and as obviously a lifelong fan of the CFL, I'm enjoying the fact that that football is back and that I am getting to watch CFL football and and loving that. But at the same time, leading up to my first game, I wasn't I was excited for the game to happen, but I wasn't necessarily excited to call the game because it didn't have up until that point it didn't have the people. Everything had been by Zoom calls or conference calls and and so on. And so that was what didn't really feel right to me. But then we get to the stadium on 
game day and sort of check in at the truck before the game and, and get to see our crew, producers, directors, ISO directors, you know, all the, all the crew down there getting set up for the game. I get to see those guys in person and that feels good. And you get up to the booth and you've got the rest of your crew up in the booth, you know, stats, guys, camera people, and, and so on. And you get, you get people, you know, and, um, and so that's where it, it all starts to feel better and starts to feel normal. But at the same time, because we're not right now with the, the protocols that are in place where we don't, we don't get the face-to-face time that we usually get with players and coaches, um, still get to talk to those guys, but, but that's something that I miss because I think, as I said, the, the best part of, of football is the, the people in and around it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love that answer. And I also agree with you in the sense that one of my favorite things, any any person who is a former player at whatever level, whether it's yourself in the Canadian Football League, myself in U Sports, you love wandering around on the field pregame, right? Because you just run into people. It's a gold mine of, you could say content, but really it's a gold mine of conversation. Just being able to not even necessarily rub shoulders with people and be seen, but it's about going there and saying, you know, I might only see this person, Chris Hagerman, for example, that works within the Edmonton Elks organization in the front office. He went to my high school. Like, I know Chris from when he was at Frontenac Secondary School. I don't see Chris. I don't reach out to Chris. We don't exchange texting or emails. We see each other on the field pregame once a year when Edmonton would come to Hamilton. Well, first of all, I haven't had that in a couple of years. Second of all, I'm not going to have that anytime soon, right? And it's because we're not able to, people might not know this, but from the booth, we can't just go wander around on the field because it's a secure environment where they have restricted that to tier one, as they call it, which is the players and the sideline reporters and coaches and training staff. And that's all for a good purpose. But yeah, it certainly does limit the those unique conversations that you have because, you know, we can do all the prep that we want and do, you know, several hours throughout the week getting ready for a game. The most interesting stuff you find out is 15 minutes before the game starts standing yeah. down there at the 55 yard line. Yeah, well, I, I've often thought, I mean, so much of it, whether it's, um, as you said, like during during pregame on game day, depending who you run into, or sometimes it's the conversations. It may be guys that we've brought in for interviews, but I have often wished that there was sort of a camera other than the camera that we're filming the interviews with, where people could kind of see just what the the dynamics are, the interactions are, the conversations that that take place with some of these players in the in the room that you know, I think that we do a pretty good job of, of conveying the personalities of, uh, of many of the players, but within a game broadcast, there are only certain clips you can use, right? They can only be so long and, and have to sort of fit with a theme that comes up in the game. You can't, you can't force things, but I, I often wish sometimes that, uh, that fans could really get a look at how well-rounded some of these guys are and the things that they, they speak intelligently about, or just some of the the funny conversations you have getting to know guys and, and so on is, um, is such a great part of, of having the opportunity to do this job. Before we do talk a little bit of football here, I want to ask you one more question about the production, because my first experience with it was last Saturday in terms of kind of being on the headset and hearing the air traffic controller extraordinaire and Chris Edwards and obviously John Hines and what he does in the backgrounds and all the great producers, directors and the people in the truck that make us look a hell of a lot smarter and smoother than we actually are. Uh, What do you want people to know that are CFL fans listening to this podcast that they probably don't about the thing they're watching each week because you've lived inside of this and you've seen it evolve and grow and improve and change. And I just feel like there's so much that people don't know about 
the effort that goes into bringing you the thing that so many of us take for granted because it's just been available for so long. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, you touched on it is the number of people who are involved um, behind the scenes that, you know, that people never really get to know. And, and, you know, we honestly do now sort of try to make a, a concerted effort, I would say at times to sort of make mention of, Hey, this is who our stats guy is today. And this is who our producer is today. This is who our director is today. Because I think so often you, you watch sports at home and people think of it as this two person operation. It's right. the play by play guy and the analyst. And it's kind of like nobody else is involved, but people have to realize that, you know, ISO directors, replay director, you know, all of the, the number of people who are, are down in that television broadcasting truck, even the number of people who are in the booth with us that are kind of extra sets of eyes. What and- are they all doing, Dwayne? They're all, they're all, <laughs> I see, I walk in there the other day, there's 15 people and I'm like, what are, what's everyone doing in here? Hey, this, this is like year 14 at TSN for me, <laughs> several years at the score before that. I still haven't, figured out all of their jobs i just know that on game day i don't want to be without any of them yes they're vital they are essential as i think we've learned a lot of jobs are over the last uh, year and a half here but yeah it is it's amazing to see the amount of and the thing that really jumped out to me again peeling back the curtain because i I thought this would be a fun way to have you on and and tell people some about the production of how this goes on i was mind blown when i got an email on tuesday saying hey guys when we come back from breaks on saturday night Here's the visuals that we'll be running because every television broadcast I've ever been a part of, they might show it to you 10 seconds before they might show it to you a half hour before, maybe an hour and a half before, but it's never that scripted, that well-planned, that produced, that refined. And throughout the week, I've already learned this week, it gets taken from, Hey, here's the base idea to, well, let's change this. Let's tweak this. Let's make this smaller. Let's make this bigger. Let's make sure. And then it's do, 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 do. And it gets down to the bottom and it's, that's what makes it to television. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is not just a matter of, uh, of showing up and, and talking about the game and it's, you know, obviously you go into the game, you want to, you want to plan, you want to be prepared, you know, what the storylines are, statistical background, whatever backgrounds, knowledge of, of players and, and so on. Sometimes it can be, it can be easy to get bogged down in that stuff when, when ultimately, you know, one of the things you know, that I, I was taught, I guess, relatively early in my time at TSN. And we had a producer that worked with us, what, with us at that time, Mitch Kersner. And Mitch was a guy who was very much kind of in the moment and sort of let the game be the story. And, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I, I try to keep in mind too, is you, you may come in with, with some storylines that, that you think are going to play out. But ultimately, as you said, sometimes you might find something out right before the game that becomes critical to, to what unfolds in the game or just plays that, that happen in the game. You know, you kind of let, let the players and coaches go out there and, and tell the story. Well, even last Saturday, we're in different booths, but we're calling the same game and I'm fully expecting it to be all about Zach Kolaros creating and Darvin Adams blowing up the, the Argos defense and the talented receiving group in Toronto. And it's like, no, it's just going to be DJ Foster. Sorry, who? Yep. Like it's I, I wasn't really familiar with DJ Foster going into that. I had him on my depth chart, didn't have a lot of background. And first commercial break after he scores that first touchdown for Toronto, I'm Googling DJ Foster for more information because I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be an important part of this game. And I yeah. had done my prep and I was aware of him and all, but I didn't have enough on him. And that's okay. where it's like, you know, another thing I think I've learned from Chris Cuthbert was you better have something on everybody because you don't know who's going to be the star. Yep. 
Yeah. No, you, you never know it. It could be anything. I mean, from, you know, I mean, this is a league things happen fast. There are a lot of plays in the course of, of a game. And as you said, you never know who's going to be involved in them. It could be, it could be something like an injury, right? It's not always necessarily a, a great play that leads you to, to talk about a guy, but you want to make sure that, uh, that, yeah, you know, you know how he got here and sort of what his story is uh, football wise. And as much as you can on a, on a personal level to be able to, to speak about him, because there are a lot of people who are counting on you for that information. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will leave the, uh, the uh, Ottawa BC stuff alone for now. We'll just leave that as a tease for you because we're going to talk about that obviously on the night of the broadcast, but I wanted to bounce around some other things and get your opinion on Dwayne that are kind of main storylines throughout the early season. The first being Saskatchewan's the only undefeated team at this point. And I was talking to DT on Wednesday on our podcast here on Canadian Football Perspective about why is Saskatchewan number one in power rankings? Are they actually the best team in the CFL at this point? And I said unquestionably yes. And it's easy to say that because they're 3-0 and because they're playing at home and all the rest. But for me, it's that Cody Fajardo is taking what basically Trevor Harris was with Jason Moss in Edmonton and he's adding his own playmaking flair to it. There's three, four, five off-script plays that he's making per game right now that are separating him and allowing them to make up maybe for the offensive line not being perfect and solidified and more veteran. Maybe make up for having Shaq Evans out of the game like they did this past week against Ottawa. Is he the key to just everything in Saskatchewan? Uh, on the offensive side of the ball for for sure. And obviously, you know, the offense being able to, to control the ball as they do Cody being able to do some of the things he does that you alluded to, to, to extend drives, keep drives alive that quite frankly, keep their defense off the field, which allows them to do some of the things that they do at, at a very high level. You know, I mean, there was a play that came up. Um, I did the, the Hamilton game in Regina a couple of weeks ago, and there was a play where Cody had a scramble from, they had been pinned by a punt deep in their own territory. Yeah. And Cody had a scramble for about 20 yards to kind of get them out from, from under their own, the, you know, from out of the shadow of the goalposts. And they ended up ultimately punting on that possession. But him using his legs to, you know, to pick up a first down, move the sticks, kind of shift that field position significantly made a difference because it meant that you're not punting from a situation where you were deciding, okay, are we taking a safety or are we punting to them where they are already within field goal range? Essentially one play with his ad lib ability took points off the board quite directly for the Hamilton Tiger cats. And it's, you know, it's a small thing and sometimes you don't necessarily make the connection at that time, but it's, it's part of what he brings to the table. And I mean, he's, he's a guy I've told people this, this story before, but you know, I remember being asked the question, it was, I guess this would have been 2018. And I was asked the question by, by a CFL general manager, just in a, a casual conversation. Um, you know, who do you think is the best quarterback backup quarterback in the league? Who's the best guy who's not playing right now. And, you know, I think at the time people are, are looking for me to give my, you know, sort of Johnny Manziel should be on the field somewhere at that time. Right. Manziel right. was, was kind of the big story. And, um, you know, um, Jonathan Jennings wasn't really playing in, in BC, I guess at that time. And so there were bigger names certainly out there. And I said, you know, the guy that has always intrigued me from his time in Toronto is, is Cody Fajardo. And I just think he's a guy whose skill set is 
is so perfect for this league. And in the small bits that I've seen, yeah, one of the things that stood out for, for me was exactly what you talked about, Marsh, is that ability to, to make things happen when, when things go off script. And that is such a huge part of the Canadian Football League. But you combine what he does as a passer with what he is able to do in ad lib and what he's able to do in terms of called quarterback runs and the, the threat that he presents overall. I mean, he, you know, I mean, it's a few weeks into the season and so we're not going to, we're not going to do an MOP vote or anything right. right now, but I, but I think that the argument would certainly be that, that Cody Fajardo has been the most impressive player in the Canadian football league so far in 2021. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That run, by the way, from his own goal line, the reason that I, I was pantomiming for anybody who's watching us on the YouTube edition of the podcast here, when I did the backhand flip, it's because I watched back the ground level camera of that. And I was mind blown, Dwayne, that he, as he's breaking out, and you know, I learned this as a quarterback a long time ago, you can be 50 yards down the field. And if you pump fake, there'll be one DB who will jump, even though <laughs> yeah. you can't throw the ball. So, you know, Cody breaks out of the pocket because the second that the guard gets moved or, you know, the guard moves the defensive tackle and he sees a lane, boom, gone. And so he takes off through that hole and he's running to the left, but Ja'Gar Davis had dropped out from defensive end. So now Ja'Gar Davis is coming downhill towards Cody and Cody's running at him at full speed. And then Cody stutters his feet, takes the ball full hand like fake flips it backwards as if he's actually pitching it to somebody freezes Jagger Davis with that move and then runs away from him down the sideline and I I played it back 20 damn times because I just kept thinking Man, if that was me I think I'd slide I was like, <laughs> I, was like I don't I don't know if I know I mean you would just run through his chest because you're you but but if it were me like I don't know if I would ever have a obviously the the confidence in your speed to get around the edge b the confidence to know that you can do that with the football and not fumble it down to your own goal line. Cause then you're giving up minimum three max seven. And the idea that you would be able to do that at full speed, he's making decisions so quickly right now. The other one against Hamilton, in the game you called was where the snap comes in low on him and he puts his head down and spins the ball to find the laces. And when he turns his head back up to throw a quick game slant to the left, there's a defensive tackle free in his face. Well, he just does a spin and runs through the middle of the field and takes off. And you're like, Every other quarterback, maybe other than Vernon Adams Jr. and maybe Masoli when fully healthy, that's just a sack. And you're just you're stuck in the backfield. So he's giving them, I think, that ability to do some some different things, certainly that are changing it up. And uh, on top of that, you got Jason Moss, right, who's running this efficient passing attack where he's going 30 of 35 against Saskatchewan in that game as well. All right, with Saskatchewan, I should say. Yeah, yeah, no, those two have uh, have proven to be a very good match. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is actually a great conversation for, to have with you as a former quarterback and a guy who obviously watches and understands that position so well as I, you know, I have become a, a believer in recent years in the Canadian football league. Like we have always known that this is a quarterback driven league, but one of the things that, that has become, I guess, part of my philosophy in, in putting a team together and so on is I would say that probably almost as important as who's playing quarterback for you is, is who's coaching the quarterbacks. Yeah. And, you know, and you look at what Jason Moss's history has been in this league, the success that he has had, you know, from sort of his time as an assistant coach in Toronto, but especially when he became the offensive coordinator in Ottawa and moving on to the, the head coaching job in Edmonton and now continuing it with, uh, with Saskatchewan. And so, I think you're going to see Cody Fajardo take that next step much as you saw Mike Riley and Trevor Harris really, really blossom under 
Jason Moss in previous stops, Henry Burris putting up fantastic numbers under under Jason in in Ottawa. That um, you know, I just I think it's so important to have somebody coaching the quarterbacks who gets the most out of their quarterbacks, and and I think Jason is proving to be one of those guys. Well, I give you full credit for having the uh, the foresight and the scouting eye to be able to see Cody as a, a future guy, because I have to admit that when I saw Zach Kalaros go down in week one of 2019, I'm calling that game on radio and I, I see it happen. I see Cody go in and Cody's in that game going from first read to second to throw it out of bounds. And there was a whole lot of throw it out of bounds or throw it at the feet of receivers. He was inaccurate. He was sporadic. He was just all over the place. And they're going into week two, right? So now I've seen him even in basically a full game. They're going into week two against uh, Saskatchewan at Ottawa uh, in 2019. And I say the whole week, Dwayne, on radio, the entire week, oh, this Thursday nighter. This is going to be trash. What a bad game. Dominique Davis just threw four interceptions and won the game in Calgary. Cody Fajardo can't get through it to his third read. Like, oh, I'm sorry, CFL fans. This is going to suck. Probably the game of the year. Uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> of course, right, because the CFL is, that's just what it is at times. Is Like we are talking about earlier, impredictable and not knowing what you're going to get out of people. But even when I had seen him play, it didn't click for me that he just needs time. He just needs something built around him. And and Jeremiah Masoli was yep. similar in that way where when Condell had to deal with the injury to Kalaros on the torn ACL, he built something around him and went all the way to the East final and was productive. And then he has to take a step back because Zach comes back in and it's back and forth. It took June Jones coming in, building the entire thing around Jeremiah before we actually got to see him be. So I'm always kind of uh, confused by the way that we treat backup quarterbacks. And again, myself as being a, a culprit of this, where I say, well, he's just a backup because he's a short yardage guy. But then you really have to look and think, okay, but look at his actual skill set and imagine if something was built around him, then how would he look? Because that's clearly what Saskatchewan is doing now. And they're doing great being able to piece that together. Yeah. Well, I think you could make the argument that more than any other sport that success in football is, is system driven. Right. You look at the number of guys every year. I mean, you know, we don't necessarily get a lot of Canadian quarterbacks to talk about in the CFL draft. But if you look south of the border, so many guys who are big time college quarterbacks who struggle in the National Football League. And then meanwhile, you've got guys who are late round picks or small school guys or whatever they may be who get there and thrive. And obviously, you know, we get guys coming up here where it's a similar thing where you would think, okay, well, I've got this quarterback coming to, to my CFL training camp who played at Ohio state and, you know, received votes for the Heisman trophy and won a national championship and this, that, and the other thing, this guy should be fantastic up here, you know? And then there's this kid from a division two school, you know, we don't really need to talk about him, but we, we know how that story so often turns out in, in this league that so much of it is about being a fit. And, you know, I, I say this all the time. It's kind of about any, any position, but the, the nature of sports, so much of it is about being in the right place at the right time where your skill set happens to be what a given coach values and is looking for. And it can be the difference between not making it through the preseason or, or having a 10 year career is quite honestly, just that, that element of, of luck of being in the right place at the right time. I always think of it this way because I grew up as a Brady lifer just because he came around right at the point where I was learning what football really was and I got truly interested in it is 
if Mo Lewis doesn't uh, make Drew Bledsoe's lungs bleed uh, when the Jets and the Patriots play, Tom Brady's probably Luke McCown, right? Like, <laughs> like he's he's a journeyman backup who teams love, and he's a good guy, and he'll keep you on the roster, and he'll win you six, seven games. And now he might have gone on to do great things in other places, but to your point, it's about fit and system and opportunity and. Cody's certainly making the most of that. The last thing I want to ask you about here before I get you out, Dwayne, is uh, it's it's finally time. It's time for you to peel back the curtain and tell everybody what is your actual daily caloric intake? <laughs> you know what? It's actually probably probably a little less than it would have been had you uh, had you asked me this in uh, at the end of the 2019 season. But you know, I mean that that being said, you know I have. I, I have made a, an effort as I've uh, have finally had to acknowledge that I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. So, I mean, this was kind of one of my things during the pandemic was to, uh, you know, to get into a, a good, a good exercise routine and, and quite frankly, be a little bit lighter so that my, my hip joints aren't necessarily screaming at me as I'm walking up and down stadium steps and, and so on. So I have, uh, you know, I have the mission for me though, is that I, I love to eat. And so, in that balance between exercise and, and diet, the thing for me has been try to exercise a lot more so that I only have to eat a little bit less. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have never quite honestly, never been a, a calorie counter, but I am, I will admit that I am a guy who is quite comfortable eating, you know, a family size pizza by myself, <laughs> you know, stacked with meat or, you know, I mean, we're, we're in Ottawa this week and fat boys is probably my favorite restaurant on the road. I will, I will come right out and say that great barbecue place in the market in Ottawa. Um, you know, love it. And on, so, the, on the road or on the planet, because well, I, be, it, I believe the way that you talk about it, that fat boys is your favorite <laughs> restaurant on the planet. It, you know what? It, it probably is. It probably is quite honestly, my, my favorite restaurant on the planet, great barbecue spot. And you, you get a variety of stuff. And so for anybody who has been there or is going there, I will tell you that my usual order when I go to Fat Boys is that I order a platter called the the Kentucky Derby. And I usually and I get a side of wings. I always get a side of wings with it because because the Kentucky Derby is not enough, right? Like the platter will never won't do it. you can never have too much meat. Okay. And so um, you know, I will leave that to people to get out to Fat Boys themselves and check out the menu and, and understand what that is. And, it, you know, it's funny because I know a lot of times the guys that I work with and, you know, we end up obviously traveling together and eating out together on on the road a lot. And guys will kind of make a big deal out of out of how much I eat. And, you know, to me, it's it's sort of never it's never really been a big deal. Like I, I know that I know that I eat a lot, but I have generally don't feel like I'm, I'm stuffing my face. Very rarely do I go to the, the point of the, of the meat coma. I'm not going to say that I never have, but, uh, but very rarely do I do that. And so it's, you know, it's this thing that has been now talked about on, on TV, I guess, for kind of for as long as I've been on TSN, because these guys were, I think, startled probably the first time they first few times we went out to dinner together. And, um, you know, I mean, to me, it has just kind of always been my thing. My, my mother, was was always a great cook when we were growing up. I love to cook myself, and so, um, yeah, I I love to cook because I love to eat. is is basically my explanation on that. 
I think that uh, Fat Boys needs to rename the Kentucky Derby to the Dwayne Ford after all the free promotion that they've just got from here. You need to have your own dish, I think, on the uh, on on the menu that's out there. I would like, if you would, I have some fanfare here. Do you have a top five meals that Dwayne Ford likes to make uh, that you are, because you say you like to cook. So now I got to put you to the test here. And after every one, I'll give it some fanfare to give it the production that it deserves. Okay. At number five, what does Dwayne Ford oh. like to create? Gosh, I, I, I'm not sure if I could, uh, if I could necessarily go backwards, but I could, you know, I could throw some things out there for you. Okay. Number five. Uh, so, and this is, this is the first one that comes to mind. So it's, this is really kind of number one. So I'm screwing up this whole segment. <laughs> I know but probably my, my number one thing would be prime rib to cook a, a prime rib. Ah, uh, there you go. Prime. And that's, I'm guessing that are these all going to be barbecue if I had to guess? Uh, well, my, my favorite purchase in, in, you know, of all the toys in my house probably is a few years ago, I, I actually bought a smoker to keep my barbecue company out on the, the back deck. So the first thing you see, you walk out of the kitchen onto the deck and there's, there are my barbecue, my grill and my smoker side by side, my, my pride and joy with all due respect to my children. And uh, yes, there are, you know, sometimes I'll do the prime rib in the oven, but yeah, sometimes I will, uh, I will do it in the smoker. Number four. Uh, just did uh, this week. I did um about four pork shoulders. I did did pulled pork on the smoker this week. There you go. Yeah, little pulled pork. Yes. Little and the, the the backstory on that, I guess, would be uh you know, game day, Saturday afternoon. I did oh, the game in Toronto, but Saturday morning at probably about 2 a.m. after I'd watched the the Calgary BC game, um, that was about when I took the the pulled pork off the smoker. I had it on there all day, and you know, train training my son well. He had a couple of pulled pork sandwiches at about three in the morning. Oh man, that's so, a that's uh, a Ford child move if I've ever heard of one. Number three. <laughs> oh, number three. Wow. Um, you know, well, you do have me in smoker mode. I do like to, I'll cook whole chickens. <laughs> Usually dead or alive, know, go I to mean. Costco and get the uh, club pack and three chickens. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll throw the three, the three whole chickens on the smoker. And you know, that, that will last us for, uh, for a couple of meals. That is amazing. Now Number- you have to let me you have to let me think about these uh, these others <laughs> as far as as far as cooking at home, and I mean there is no notice. I'm not bothering to mention the side dishes here because the side dishes are they're side dishes. They are yeah. they are not the main event for a reason. Right? No, exactly, exactly. Uh, number two, do you have a two and a one? Uh, yeah. Even though they're probably really more like four and five, I would say uh, you know another another favorite here in the Ford house would be to, to do chicken fingers. And I may not necessarily do the, the chicken fingers from scratch because sometimes breading and, you know, frying and all of that, even oven baking them from scratch, that can be, can be a lot of work, can be a lot of work. So sometimes it'll be, you know, cooking frozen chicken fingers, but we'll do the Buffalo sauce is, is kind of the key. And so, yeah, so I have a recipe that I quite like for, for Buffalo sauce, whether for wings or, or fingers, you know, whatever we choose to go with this feels like an episode of uh, of good burger now where it's not even about the meat it's just about the sauce you got the secret sauce that makes everything better so now i understand why the meat all tastes so damn good in the ford house 
Yes. That's key. <laughs> and That's the last key. one, number one, number one, what do you got? The meal yeah, that Dwayne you know, Ford likes to make. Oh yeah. You know what? I got, I, I got others now that you got me thinking, you know, I yeah, have a great yeah. recipe for uh, baked, baked pork chops with stuffing. That's oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, that's, that's a family favorite. It's in, in mushroom soup. Um, you know, the many uses of, of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup, right. We'll sometimes <laughs> do a, a roast that slow cooks in that. One of the things actually I learned Marshall, now that you've got me on this food tangent was I, I found uh, a pretty good recipe, pretty good and easy recipe for chicken fried rice. Oh, really? Has, uh, become a little bit of a, a favorite and honey garlic ribs that I will do to, to go with that. So yeah, you know, there's a, there's, there's a few more for you. I just need a little bit of time to, to think about it and I like it. let people realize that my whole life is not spent with, uh, with my, with smoke billowing from the smoker on the back deck. You know what, just to count it, because we are uh, attempting to be an equal opportunity in respective of everybody's uh, cultures Absolutely. and backgrounds and everything else. I told Dwayne before we started this for the first time that I have been vegan for a little while. Now, not religious about it because I still have eggs and I have fish once in a while and all that, but I eat a lot of vegetables and nuts and seeds and all the rest. So here's my top five meals that I like to make, okay? Here we go. Uh, it is uh, at number five, uh, Fiesta Salsa Black Bean Burgers. <laughs> Can't go wrong with a good black bean burger. The secret is really putting enough of the rolled oats in there that it sticks nicely and you can get some size to it, I think. Uh, at, at number four, it is a roasted chickpea lentil Caesar salad. Which, weird that capers actually go into the Caesar dressing that you make. Uh, I did not know that. When you make the Caesar dressing from scratch, there's some weird stuff that goes into there. Thankfully, it's not olive paste like you get from the other places. Uh, at number three, uh, we do this great bok choy uh, peanut butter tofu bowl. That's a good one, too. Yeah, that's uh, the, the straining of the tofu is nice. At number two, this is my personal favorite when I am watching a Formula One race on Sunday mornings. Roasted sweet potato alongside tempeh, which is just fake bacon, uh, alongside roasted chickpeas with avocado and a couple of eggs. And at number one, the number one meal that I make to counter Dwayne Ford's incredible list of smokers and meat and everything else, once in a while, I'll just chew on a single pumpkin seed. It really gets you through the day. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Viewers compare and contrast. Yeah, and you know, and and to be fair, quite honestly, I am, I am a carnivore at, at heart, oh, yeah. one one hundred percent. But I genuinely like I like food. So if something tastes good, it tastes good. So I mean, no question. There's lots of vegan stuff out there that is that is terrific. I I enjoy salads regularly, contrary to to popular belief you know <laughs> yeah, well it's uh, not fair Dwayne because I've only seen you eat at fat boys in Ottawa so I've never seen a salad uh which is a, an unfair yeah. judgment of you but I think anybody who's well, seen no I I actually when with the Kentucky Derby platter does it come with I it? actually I get to choose sides and I do always choose the the boring green salad coleslaw as, is uh, not a salad Dwayne okay no no this is this is just like a, a house salad you know usually a little balsamic dressing and that's just eases my guilty conscience while I'm uh, I'm shoveling various meats into my face. Delightful. It's amazing that you can call games after eating all of that, but at the same time, pros pro and everybody knows when they see on camera that you look great and you're great at doing your job, man. Thank you for doing this. I uh, The last thing I'll say I learned from Chris Cuthbert uh, was that he said, hey, just so you know, us play-by-play -play guys, 
we don't have to be smart. We're not even supposed to be smart. We're supposed to tee up the people that are smarter than us. So for anybody out there who thinks that Dwayne and I are going to get into a CFL draft history off on Saturday night, I'm I'm sad to uh, disappoint you, but uh, I will be setting up the action and uh, passing it to my partner in the booth as quickly as possible. So. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna suck you into a little bit of draft history. <laughs> okay, good challenge accepted, and now we left an Easter egg for everybody in the uh, in the listening audience here. Dwayne, thank you so much for this. It's great to catch up with you, and I can't wait to work together. Hey, my pleasure, Marsha. It's been uh, been a long time coming. Let's have some fun on Saturday. My thanks as always to Dwayne Ford for having a conversation. He's always willing to, he's always so inviting, and he always is on top of his game. And man, I can't wait to see that guy in game mode because I've wandered past the television booth when I was working in radio before. I've seen a pregame, I've seen a postgame, I've listened to dozens and dozens of games that he's called. I get to be the one guy in the entire country, the entire world, who's standing next to Dwayne Ford with a microphone strapped to my face with a CFL game happening in front of us, and we're having a three-hour conversation. We can't wait to bring that to you, and we're excited to be able to bring you great content throughout the rest of the week, leading out through week four, and of course into week five, Labor Day. Coming up for you, we got a great preview next week right here on CFP of Labor Day with myself and Derek Taylor. Of course, the boys, Connor and Wade over on All Canadian, are going to do a great job teeing that up. They're looking towards the OUA season as well, as they'll have you fully covered on all things OUA. Ray Perkins got an article up on CFPerspective.com with some AU West predictions moving forward into their season as well. Lots of stuff to check out again at CF Perspective on Twitter and Instagram and CFPerspective.com. Thanks so much for listening to the A Block. Have yourselves a great night and uh, don't forget to flip the television over to TSN Saturday night, 7 p.m. I'll talk to you then. <laughs>